Thank you, thank you. Hey guys, Jim and Mary are gone this weekend, but they will be back. So happy to be able to be here and share today. Um, you know, I, I have a message that I want to share, um, and we're going to go through a little journey together, if you guys are up for it. Anyone up for a little journey today? All right, this side, I feel like you guys are. Columbus School of Supernatural Ministry starts in like six weeks, so if you're not coming, you really should come. We meet here Sunday nights at five o'clock. It's amazing. A little commercial. There you go. Leading a ministry school, get to see people from all walks of life come into an environment um, that is maybe different from an environment that they knew or grew up in. Leading a ministry school, we see believers come into an environment where they want to grow spiritually, where you want to step in, you're being intentional about growth, and it's amazing to see how people from all walks of life, from all backgrounds with Jesus or no background with Jesus, if you're like me, I have a no background with Jesus uh, upbringing into a background with Jesus, a history all of a sudden. It's amazing to see people from different backgrounds come into an environment where everyone begins to rapidly grow in God's presence. It's amazing to see how Jesus, did you know Jesus can use your lack of background? It's not a problem for him. He can use your lack of success. It's not a problem for him. He can use your misunderstandings and the things you think are true that aren't true, and it's not a problem for him. He, he has no problem coming into our life and transforming every area that you bring to him. Right. I want to talk today about the spirit of adoption, but we're going to come at it from an angle I hope is helpful for us to get free from, from a spirit of, of orphanhood. So, are you guys ready for a little journey today? Okay. So you guys uh, can open up your Bibles to Romans 8, just kind of get ready for that. We're going to share a little bit today uh, from a couple different passages uh, in the New Testament, but Romans 8 and John 14. So uh, you guys can kind of open your Bibles, put them there, and then we're going to kind of read them uh, throughout our time today. But if you have a bookmark, go ahead and bookmark that. So Jesus is our perfect example of life and godliness, Amen. All right, we're going we're gonna to set some foundation, and then we're going to go somewhere. Jesus is our perfect example of life and godliness. This thing, sorry, it's pulling on my ear. It's my fault. I'm fine. Are you guys awkward? I'm fine. <laughs> you know, Jesus is our, is our perfect example. And it says this about Jesus in Luke 2, verse 52. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus was so good at doing relationships with people and doing relationship with God. He had a way of being friends with someone that had a different background than him, that had a different worldview as him, that had a different lens, different experiences, and was able to love that person into wholeness. We see Jesus perfectly had a, a relationship with his heavenly father that perfectly illustrated what his father was like. But Jesus actually grew in stature, in wisdom, and in favor with God and with man. How many of you know you can be in a church, you can be in a, in a spirit-filled ministry school, you can, you can come to the charismatic church and get flag-whipped every other Sunday and shikababa in all over the place, but we still have some things that we need to grow into. Does this make sense? There's one thing to carry revelation. There's another thing to walk and think and behave in light of revelation. 
Jesus actually had to grow in this. The reason that Jesus was so good at doing relationship with people and relationship with God, because he learned to live out of sonship. He learned to live out of his primary identity, which was a son of God, which is God's son. He actually learned to live what we read in the Bible as the spirit of sonship was upon him. One of the things I love about Jesus is that he's able to love people out of their pain. How many of you found that Jesus can love you right where you are if you let him come into those places? Now, have you ever been around someone that has, uh, we'll just say this, and you, this is not time to like nudge your neighbor like you're listening to this. None of that because we're going to be profiling people today. Just know that, you know, nudge yourself first and then give them a gentle elbow. I have no problem with that. You know, have you met someone that has a big blind spot and they don't know it? No. Mm. All right, you know what? Let's start with you. Do you have a big blind spot you might not know about? Is it possible? Is it possible? Of course. We have these blind spots that Jesus, you know, if Jesus were to show you all the things that you have wrong, you'd be overwhelmed and you'd feel so defeated. Now, that's not the goal of today's message. But we do have to remember, you're walking under amazing, abundant, overwhelming, life-transforming grace on your life. Like more so than you realize. Does this make sense? But we're being pulled into fullness in Christ. We're being pulled into something new. We're being pulled into that wisdom, that favor, that anointing of God that Jesus had with man and with God. And Jesus is able to love us and meet us in every place, that we're, every season of life that we're in. In those seasons of mountaintop and the seasons of the valley, of those seasons that feel like God's voice has quieted and those seasons that feel like I can't even discern, there's so much, I'm hearing so much from the Lord. That every season before the Lord has a purpose and every season Jesus is able to meet us in it. Are you guys okay? So Jesus perfectly walked in sonship. You know, the main thing that causes pain and issues in our life the main thing that causes relational issues, the main thing that causes mistakes being made, the main thing that causes thinking that gets you to behave in a way that's outside of your identity is called an orphan mindset. It's called an orphan spirit. Now, sonship allows you to walk in your position in Christ, and an orphan mindset wants you to walk outside of that position in Christ. You guys with me? An orphan, orphan spirit gets you self-centered, living in our pain and our experience, and gets us living outside of our position in Christ. John 14, 16, you guys, if you had your, your Bibles open, go ahead and open it. John 14, verse 16 through 18 says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives in you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus is talking about two people here. I have some really good news for you. Is that if you're a follower of Jesus, okay, the Holy Spirit has come and lived inside of you. We can probably close in service and you guys can go on with your day. That as a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit has not come and lived inside of you. And Jesus is describing two people, two spirits, two mindsets in this passage. The spirit of an orphan and the spirit of sonship. Sons, are, sons have accepted Jesus, and according to Colossians, as a son, your life is now hidden in Christ. 
Are you guys with me? I'm building something. Just, just stay on this journey. We're on a journey together today. Your life is now hidden in Christ as a son. Sons have accepted Jesus. Orphans have rejected Jesus. Orphans have not yielded to Jesus. Orphans are fatherless. They've chosen not to follow God. Now, the orphan spirit actually has an, an origin point. The devil was the first orphan spirit. Did you know that? It says this. I want to describe something to you really interesting. Ezekiel 28, you guys don't have to flip there. Uh, Ezekiel 28 says of the devil that he was an angel. He was actually anointed as a, uh, to cover the cherub. So he was the coverer of a cherub. He actually had an assignment. But what happened is, uh, it says in the Bible that wickedness and iniquity was found in him, and he was cast out of the mountain of God. And he was the first orphan. Why? Because he came out of God's covering. Does this make sense? His assignment was to cover. And he now has come out of God's covering. So it's the spirit, the orphan spirit actually originates from the devil. Okay? Follow me here. He was supposed to be covering something. And what does he do in Genesis 3 to Adam and Eve? He exposes them. He uncovers them. Why? Because he is living uncovered. He once was actually called to be part of covering with God. Now he's uncovered and he's trying to bring other people uncovered. He's trying to get them out of their position. So what happens when the spirit of sonship leaves Adam and Eve? They actually enter into an orphan spirit. Did you know that? What happens? Because now they're trying to cover themselves. That when, they, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, now they left the covering of God and they're trying to cover themselves. This is what the orphan spirit looks like. Do you guys see the picture? All right, just, just keep tracking with me. The orphan spirit seeks to uncover you, to get you living outside of your position, and this is where it's most commonly found to take over your mindset. The orphan spirit, the orphan mindset wants you to live out of lack rather than live out of inheritance. It's a mindset governed by the flesh, your senses, your feelings. You're constantly in this world, and, and th this is what your mind, your thinking begins to, to, to lead you in and everything you're tasting and seeing and sensing. But I have some really good news for you, is that the way the devil wants to uncover you, the Father always wants to cover you. The way the devil wants to uncover people in the world, to expose you, the Father actually has covering over you. Now, I have some really great news. Are you guys ready for some good news? Okay. You guys are in the Bible at Romans 8. Go ahead and read that. Romans 8, verse 6, 9, 14 through 16. We're going to jump around a little bit. It says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. You, however, are not of the realm of the flesh, but are of the realm of the spirit, if indeed God's spirit lives in you. Verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, and the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your sonship. 
and by his, his, by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That the spirit of adoption, if you are led by the Spirit, that you are sons of God, and the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship has rested and, and found a home in your life. Did you know that as a follower of Jesus, you cannot have an orphan spirit? I'm going to say that one more time. As a follower of Jesus, you cannot have an orphan spirit because he does not have an orphan spirit. That the spirit of adoption is your ticket to sonship. Now, there's a difference between adoption, what we think of adoption is, and this book, the Bible, was written to certain contextualized areas of the world at times. So, for instance, the book of Romans was actually written to Romans. I know it's, Sean, where do you get such revelation and wisdom, you know? The book of Romans was written to a people. And so there are some times in the Bible that we need to, to study a little bit to see what does things mean to certain people groups. So for instance, what does adoption mean to the first century readers of this book? Adoption in, in the Roman Empire is very different from adoption that we think about today. So broad strokes, adoption today mostly is about adopting a baby or a very young child, right? You think about adopting a, a child, adopting a baby, and, and they become part of your family. Wonderful. I love adoption. But Ro the Roman Empire, adoption was not that. So adoption looked like this. It was something that was really just for the wealthy, the elite, senators, politicians, um, those with the, the big landowners, even emperors, because it was a very expensive process. But the only reason in the Roman Empire that you would actually go through the process of adoption is because you have an inheritance, but you don't have a son to pass it on to. So what would happen is this, is that that landowner, that, that influencer, that, that wealthy individual, that powerful person, they don't have a son. They don't have anyone to pass on their inheritance to. So they would look for a young man usually between the ages of 16 and 24, they would actually look for a young man who they would want to adopt, to, to take on their name, to, 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 to receive their inheritance, to carry on the family business. So what they would do is they would actually search out someone that they felt like was worthy to come into their family, to take their name. So they would search a person out. And then when they found a young man who they were satisfied with, they would go to that family and they would offer a purchase price for the young man. Are you guys with me? In that purchase price, uh, they would go to that family and offer it and that family would now sell their son to this new family. And they, the, the buyer would buy the son and then the family would buy him back. And then the buyer would buy the son again and the family would buy him back. And after the third time, it's irreversible that the family can't buy the son back. So it's a ceremonial process where it's really clear what's happening. Have you ever bought something? You're like, I didn't know I was buying that. I got to go cancel that subscription. <laughs> the idea is it's really clear what is occurring, that we are adopting this young man. Then what happens? They go to a court system. And in the court session... They actually have to go through a totally different set of processes. So that young man is going to be given a document. It's, it's, a, it's a legal document. And it, it's going to have his birthplace. It's going to have his parents. It's also going to have his debts. It's going to have everything that they can, they can gather about his life on this document. 
And you know what they do with the document once they create it? They actually destroy it. They actually destroy that document, and now they make a new one with his new family. Only now, all of his debts are settled. Now, now he has a new name. He is literally born again. So now he has a new name. He is now positioned for the inheritance. But it gets even better. Did you know that there have to be seven witnesses in the court watching everything that's happening? Why? So that later on, if he were to ever be accused of, oh, you're not with that family, that's not who you are, the seven witnesses would be called upon to bear testimony of what they saw. Oh, no, he is. He was adopted. Did you know that Jesus actually searched you out and found you worthy to be his successor? To found you worthy for the inheritance? That you're not happenstance, that this idea that you're just kind of in church, you don't really know if Jesus actually would select. No, he actually sought you out. The idea in this, in this verse in scripture is this picture of what it looks like for that family to be searching someone out they think is worthy and he landed on you. And that spirit of adoption now comes with all the access of what Jesus had in his account. All the access now is given to you. Did you know that there are seven spirits of God bearing witness to who you are? Isaiah, there's seven spirits of God, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of strength, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Are you guys still with me? What does it say in Romans that we just read? It said, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You cannot have an orphan spirit if you're a follower of Jesus. But you might have some orphan thinking that you need to grow out of. Does this make sense? All right, so we're going to talk about some orphan thinking. The, the reason believers act like orphans is because we grow up in a world where the orphan spirit reigns. This can, become, this can come from negative experiences. Our thinking can come from uh, what we are taught to fend off for ourselves, from your background, your upbringing. The world, we're often taught, if you expose yourself to it enough, to be self-centered. You're taught that way. Did you know that the number one photograph taken today is a selfie? Just think about it. I won't even have to camp there. That we're actually taught to be focused on ourselves, to watch out for ourselves. No one's going to watch out for you, so watch. That is an orphan mindset. The orphan mindset positions itself to cheat and to lie, to look after yourself to get ahead, to not value other people or protect other people because you haven't been valued and you haven't been protected. This is the orphan mindset, the orphan spirit that's reigning in the world. So how does it influence believers? Because we begin to believe it. We begin to believe, yeah, it's all about me. Like, even my relationship with Jesus, my ministry, your thing, it's all about you. That is an orphan spirit at work. Did you know that? That is an orphan mindset that's in the world. The enemy will try to bring this kind of orphan thinking into your life because we're in a broken world that needs healing.
So I want to talk about how this orphan mindset manifests in our life. I'm going to profile some people, and if this hits you on the nose, I am not thinking about any one person when I wrote these, okay? So I don't think I capture anyone's names, but I'm going to describe people. I'm going to describe a mindset, and you're going to find there might be an attribute that, that I'm describing about you, although the full picture won't be you. And if it is, I promise if, well, this was not intentional. I wasn't thinking about any one person. So how does the mindset of the orphan spirit actually look like in our life? You'll probably identify with a couple of these areas. There's religious Riley. Are you ready? Religious Riley. This is where orphans have a distorted view of God in some area of their life. Here's how religious Riley thinks. You don't feel loved. You don't feel secured. You don't feel safe. Because God can quickly change his attitude towards you. A bad thing happened to me, so it must be God's will. Therefore, God is not happy with me. You think God wants to punish you for your sin. You think that God loves and favors other people more than you. You believe that, that when you give to God and serve people, you do it because you think God might love you less if you don't that you tend to think the Father's love is based on your performance. How many of you, I'm just kidding. I want to talk about insecure Ian. If there's any Ians in the room, I promise this was not. Insecure Ian. This is where orphans have a, have a fear that they lack fatherly covering, that you don't get your identity from God. Instead, you allow insecurity to come into who you are and into your behavior. It's really interesting. Romans 8 says that you have not received the spirit of fear. That you've actually received a spirit of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Did you know that? Well, this is what happens when we begin to drift outside of that truth. This is where insecure Ian lacks confidence. You lack self-esteem and you don't love yourself. You feel lonely, isolated, or unloved by people. When someone like your spouse says they love you, you think they really don't mean that. They're just saying that because they have to. You feel rejected when people don't acknowledge you. For instance, the pastor did not stop and talk to me today, so they must not like me. I want to laugh at some of these so bad. I'm, I'm, I'm trying so to be good right now. I don't mean laugh at you. If you we, la we like to laugh at lies here. That's the context for what I just said. Okay. Insecure Ian constantly needs reassurance from people to feel good. Insecure Ian always worries about what other people think about them. So for instance, during worship, I better not lift my hands because I might look awkward and stand out. And what would my family think because what would my family think about me because I've never lifted my hands before? Insecure Ian feels that God has not especially gifted him. Therefore, God must have forgotten about you and doesn't like you. Insecure Ian did not receive a prophetic word today, so God must not want to speak to him. It's okay to laugh at that. You don't want to get prophesied over by the prophet of God, because if so, the prophet might reveal all of your issues, and then you will look bad in front of other people. You can laugh at that one. That's, that's fair game, too. This is the mindset of someone that's being ruled by insecurity. Are you guys ready for two more? You're like, no, please stop. I know, it took me a while to write these. Hardworking Harriet. Hardworking Harriet. This is when 
people that we, we, we begin to try to prove ourselves to be accepted by God and by people. Now, how many of you remember the story of Luke 15? Luke 15 is the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son comes home, and what does he do? He thinks, I'll work for my father because even his, even his servants get paid and eat. What does the older son say? The older son is all upset that the father has accepted his, his younger brother because he's been working all of his life for his inheritance. They both had a work-for-performance mindset of their father's love. Hard-working Harriet. This is someone that might be serving the church, and you look good in front of others, and you serve in the church to look good in front of others and God. <clears throat> you tear others down to make yourself feel better. Hardworking Harriet, when others are successful, you are jealous of them and you can be critical of them. For instance, if your friend bought a house and you pretend to be incredibly happy for them, but secretly you're hoping that something goes wrong so they don't get ahead of you in life. You constantly compare yourself with other people. That the hardworking Harriet will treat people differently according to their social or economic status. That you constantly brag about how much you work and how busy you are and how early you get up in the morning. That people have to earn your love and forgiveness because you struggle to forgive people who offend you. All right, everyone, I promise we're going to end with good news today. We've got one more. You guys okay? How awesome? These are, these are prototypes of the orphan spirit, the orphan mindset manifesting in our life. How about cover yourself, Carter? This is where orphans try to, to find their own identity and cover themselves rather than letting God do it. For instance, Adam and Eve, they covered themselves with fig leaves, which is a symbol of humanity. They actually tried to do the covering work of the Father instead of letting the Father do the covering work for them. All right, so here you go. And this is when an orphan always tries to get their identity from other things. You rely on your job to feel successful or worth or have worth. You think the more money you have, you will have the, the more money you have, the better your life will be and the more secure you're going to feel. You try to fulfill your dreams through your children. You isolate yourselves from friends and family and having to make difficult when having to make difficult decisions in life rather than reaching out to them so that you can get advice. Don't point to other people right now. You feel threatened to get defensive when friends and family and leaders try to speak into your life. You find it difficult to come under spiritual covering and authority such as pastors or mentors. And you try to gain your identity from things other than God so you can cover yourself with what you're good at. You get your confidence and worth and your identity from what you're good at. How many of you can relate to one or more of these behaviors in your life? Yes. You know, you, we as followers of Jesus, you do not have an orphan spirit, but these orphan thoughts can derail you from experiencing the fullness of Christ in our life. Did you know that? So the first part about, and this is what we love about Sozo ministry, the first part about getting free is identifying, okay, that's me. You described one area of my life that I actually have orphan thinking. Maybe I didn't know it. Maybe I was unaware of the depth of it. But the first step is actually identifying that there's a problem. 
Did you know that? Did you know like, you, like someone can't help you out of a problem you don't have? You just, if you don't think, if, if you don't think, man, you know what, I am level 10, I, when you read, when you read this morning Luke 2, 52, about growing in favor and wisdom and, and posture before God, you, that's like my life verse, you described me, I'm doing so good. If you can't recognize, then you don't have humility in your life, and without humility, God can't lift you up. Can we, can we just get there right now? I have really good news for you. All those areas, if there's even one or two, you can have freedom for it today because we're going to kill it today. Okay? We're actually going to destroy that stronghold in our, in our lives today when we recognize that we are God's son. You are the one he chose. But now we're going to partner in our thoughts so that we can fulfill our destiny. So the first step is recognizing that, that there is an issue there. Did you know that the gospel is not here to serve you? that many think the gospel is here to serve me, to bless me, to look after me, to meet all my needs. The amazing part is that's the bonus, and it actually does. But the gospel is not here to serve you. It's here to transform you. Some of you are like, wait, what? It's here to transform you. And all those other things actually come, but that's not why it's here. It's here to transform us. So, what we do is this. The first step in our battleground is recognizing truth and lies. So the first step is recognizing that you're not powerless to a lie, to, to a mindset. You are not powerless to it. Did you know that? This is not your personality type, and this is who you are. <laughs> that you actually have power over it. It says this in 2 Corinthians 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war the way the world does. The weapons we fight are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish every stronghold. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against us and the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So one, the first step, recognizing the problem. Step two, the gospel is here to transform me, and I have power over my thoughts. You guys ready for step three? Okay. That was a powerful <laughs> act of encouragement. Now, this is probably the most important part, and this is where it's, it's going to take you being really vulnerable before your heavenly father, is that you have to believe that God loves you is that you have to believe and choose to believe that God loves you. That when he says he loves you, he really does. That you have received mercy. One of my favorite scriptures that's up in our house is every morning I wake up and I read this, and it says, morning by morning, new mercies I see. That every day his mercies are new for us. Every single day, he, 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 he rolls out a carpet of mercy and love on our lives. Now, that word mercy is eleos in the Greek, and it means God's tender, loving, compassionate kindness for you. Mercy means God's tender, loving, compassionate kindness for you. You see, when you begin to believe and accept God's love for you, you begin to believe and accept that he is present as a father in your life. Orphans don't have fathers. You want to defeat an orphan mindset. You need to receive and believe that God's love for you is a fatherly love. 
It's a personal love. It says this, 1 John 4, 18, perfect love casts out all fear. That the weapon of his love begins to displace fear, lies, insecurity, comparison, self-hate. Perfect love actually casts out that fear. So believe the Father's love for you. Step into the Father's love for you. And some of you are like, well, I need to experience it first. No, you actually, that's not how the kingdom works. If you begin to believe the Father loves you, you're going to begin to experience the Father's love for you. Did you know that? His love is on level 10 for every human being on the planet. Why, don't, why doesn't everyone experience God's love? Because they don't believe he actually loves them. So this is in our life in the kingdom, what's called faith. We actually begin to believe, and all of a sudden, it's so real that it's like you, you just want to tell everyone about it. All of a sudden, he's so real that we begin to experience his love in new ways. You guys still doing okay? <clears throat> How else do we defeat the orphan mindset? We agree with the witness of God. Do you remember in that court, in, in that, the, the court session? in the Roman Empire with adoption, that you have the Spirit of God testifying on your behalf as to who you are. Now, Smith Wigglesworth and amazing, Kenneth Copeland, amazing, amazing leaders, they actually would call it an inner witness. Did you know there's an inner witness of the Holy Spirit on your life? You're not a victim. Can I say that one more time? There's an inner spirit of the Holy Spirit on your life. You are not a victim. Can we, can we exit victimhood as a reason that we don't get free? And enter into sonship where I'm partnering with him in freedom. Can I say that? That victimhood will keep you a victim. Sonship draws you into freedom. That you agree with the inner witness. One of the ways that we agree with the inner witness is that we actually confess it. Now the Greek word for confession is to say the same thing as God. Now, that's a core value that we have as a church and ministry school and all of our stuff. We love making confessions and promises. That is a powerful part. Why? Because as I say it, I'm beginning to think like him. That as I say his thoughts, I begin to think like him, and I agree with the witness of God on my life. Finally, you need to strengthen your inner man in God's promises and God's word. Did you know that? that you need to actually strengthen your inner man. How many of you have read the Bible and you're like, yeah, this is like eating chalk. This is just, this is, I got nothing here. I'm reading the Bible. I'm like, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. Like, and you begin to build a case against Yeah, I'm just kidding. It's real in those small moments. It's okay. We already read who you are, insecure Ian. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just, just teasing. We all go through this place. Well, what happens? If we're patient, if we're just in there for the right reasons, to connect to our Father, to know Jesus through the scriptures, to encounter his voice, to, to build an intimate relationship with him as we read the word. How many of you have been in that place and then all of a sudden, one phrase begins to stick out to you? And how many of you read past that? And then, but what happens is you keep thinking about it. You keep thinking about that verse that was like three or four sentences before, or a chapter before, or a paragraph before. That is God speaking to us. Did you know that God's word is the most powerful force in all of creation? I don't know. Yeah, some of you are like, yay, yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm glad you think that way, Sean. 
so good. It actually is living and breathing and moving. That the word of God is like a double-edged sword penetrating through bone and marrow, getting to the heart of any matter. That is by his word that all of creation was formed. And the cosmos, according to scientists, is still growing. That it hasn't stopped. That when we strengthen ourselves with his word, that orphan mindset begins to dissolve in those strongholds. Did you know that? All right. Finally, the orphan spirit wants to isolate you, and the spirit of adoption wants to unite you with people. So how do we defeat an orphan mindset? Is we actually recognize that isolation is a killer, and that's not God's plan for your life. That being connected to community and to people is actually one of the ways that God defeats the orphan mindset in yourself. Did you know that? How many of you found isolation, won't, you won't come out better through seasons of isolation? Jesus actually had to have the spirit of the Lord upon him and lead him into a desert of isolation. The only time we see Jesus isolated is his 40 days in the desert. After that, he's just constantly around people, breaking off things around people. You know, when you're isolated, you tend to think the wrong things about the right thing. So when you're isolated, so I'll give you an example. Um, so this guy named Eric, him and his wife were going to go on a mission trip to Brazil. And in the months leading up to it, they're praying and praying. And it was a, this was probably about 15 years ago. And it was a really dangerous area that they were going to at the time. And so they're praying about it. And they're, they're just, you know, talking about it. But they're really isolated. They're really not talking to a whole lot of other people about it. But they're planning on going. And they got to the point where they so fully believed that by going on this trip that they were going to die, that they began to, like, write their wills. Like, they, they, they began to actually plan on they're not coming back, and they had, like, teenage children, but they felt like the Lord was telling them to go, so they were like, okay, well, God's telling us to go, so, uh, you know, we're not going to come back because we're going to die in the mission field. They, they, they really believe this, like, 100%, and they were willing to die for Jesus. They just felt kind of conflicted. Well, they went and talked to their pastor about it, and they said, hey, we're ready to go. You know, we just really feel like, you know, we're, we're ready. And he's like, what do you mean you're ready? He's like, well, you know, we, we've written out our wills and we're, we're ready. We're, we, don't, we, don't, we actually don't believe we're going to be coming back from this. And he's like, so you believe that you're going to go and die? And they said, yes. But we're willing to. I mean, you okay, heard this argument before maybe in your own life. And the pastor said, is that in God's nature? Is that God's nature? And Chris and his wife were like, what, what do you mean? Is it God's nature? Does that sound like a loving father to you? And they looked at each other. They're like, no, it doesn't. Okay, we're good. And they left. And they went to Brazil, had an amazing trip. They have a thriving family today. They didn't die. Why? In isolation, that orphan mindset was trying to kill them was trying to look at your future as though you're going to die. When you get around people who are filled with God's spirit, that orphan mindset can break off of us. Isolation is a killer. How many of you know the devil is a liar? Jordan, can I get an amen? You need to be around like-minded believers. Being around others brings exponential growth. 
Bad company corrupts good character. That's what the Bible says. I believe anointed company brings exponential increase. Orphans try to fight their battles on their own. That an orphan mindset thinks, I have to do it alone. There's a story of Moses and, and Joshua, where Moses is in the, in the, in the, the valley fighting, and, and I'm sorry, Joshua is in the battle fighting, and Moses, every time he lowers his arms, that the anointing begins to leave, and Joshua and his men be, be, begin to be defeated. That there is this connection between one success and the other's success. You know, we, we see all the time in our ministry school, people that come into our ministry school and within one or two quarters are quickly growing and, um, how do I say this, really growing quickly in their identity in God. By just coming in after two, three, four months, they are just like, I mean, like a new person. It's, it's wild and it's so exciting. Well, they're coming into an environment that took us 12 years to build that you actually can come into community and grow way quicker. And you're like, wow, I am a level 10 Christian now. God, I am in the right place at the right time. Well, what's happening is you're actually drafting off of the momentum of a culture. And it's a powerful thing. And it's a good thing. That coming, being united with people breaks an orphan mindset and actually launches you into growth. Are you, are you good? We're almost done. So we see that all the time with CSSM students. Psalm 119, verse 111, says this, that I have inherited your testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. As a son, as a daughter of God, as someone with the spirit of adoption upon your life, you can have victory over every area of orphan thinking. You can have victory over every area. And even in a place that you feel defeated, did you know that you've actually inherited his testimonies? meaning you've inherited his victories, and Jesus was victorious in every place in life. So if you feel like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm struggling on this, I don't have a testimony, borrow one from Jesus, he already won it. It's yours. It's actually your inheritance is his testimonies. Everything you read on this wall, this testimony wall, an attempt to, to celebrate, every time you read that, that's your testimony. Do you know that it's a credit to your account? You're like, how? Because it actually says, his testimonies are your inheritance. I want to read you guys a couple testimonies that breaks orphan thinking. This is from, from the wall. Are you guys okay? okay? It says this, a young man received the Holy Spirit. This is a young man who's struggling with an orphan mindset. Received the Holy Spirit and quickly was activated in God's presence. He saw a man and went and prayed for him. And this man's leg grew out by about one inch and all of his back pain was gone. He had no healing training. He walked in somebody else's testimony. He walked in an inheritance. He did not have training. The next one. This someone, uh, they, they prayed for someone who had severe arthritis in both knees and hands, both shoulders and behind both legs. After prayer, this person checked out everything and found that Jesus completely healed her of all pain. 
Does this person who is praying for that person, are they, are they walking in shoulder heel, arthritis, anointing? I don't know, but they did, and God healed that person, not because they had a strong background, but because they had a strong Savior. Does this make sense? I'll read you guys one more. I love this one. This person was diagnosed with extremely ag- aggressive bladder cancer. They came up and received prayer, and they were touched by the Holy Spirit. However, they had to go to surgery. The surgery was already scheduled. So when they went, in, when they went to surgery, the surgeon went in to remove the, 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 the cancerous cells in the bladder, and they found that everything was completely gone. And they confirmed this patient was cancer-free. You just don't have to live in orphan thinking. You have the spirit of adoption upon your life. Now it's time to partner with where do you want more freedom in your life? I'm going to have my wife come up. She's going to share a word as we end. Did you know that we're called to co-labor with Jesus? That we're called to partner with these areas even of our own freedom? Do you have a word? Yeah, so um, being in the medical field, I have seen, unfortunately, a lot of orphan mindsets, orphan spirits. I came up with another profile, Sickness Sally. And uh, these people um, just kind of claim everything that the doctors have spoken over them. And um, no matter, you know, what it is. And it's because the doctor in their mind had the final authority. And they look at that person as the authoritarian and... um, and agrees with them. And it was interesting because we were asking Angie Walmack when he was here, like, do you guys have a hospital ministry? And he said, no. And we asked, you know, why? And he said, because if the doctor tells a patient something, they believe it. And because they see that doctor as the authority, it's hard to get them healed in the hospitals because the doctor has been speaking this over them. And um, we thought that was really fascinating. And, um, you know, like, First of all, the doctor is not the final authority. <laughs> they can be wrong. But um, what was interesting is this past week, I actually went to a doctor's appointment just for like a checkup. Like I'm completely healthy. I just went for a checkup because I thought it was a good idea. And um, at this appointment, it was a very extensive appointment where I had to go through all of my history and all my family history. Now, I am a completely healthy individual, but when I was going through my family history with this doctor, She basically told me there's absolutely nothing I can do about it and that I'm going to get these things. And um, I know, isn't that crazy? But doctors, she was just doing her job. I think my response was boo. Yeah, boo. And so um, when when I left, um, I just thought like, man, I I feel terrible for the people who don't know Jesus because they're going to leave so hopeless. Like... I'm going to get arthritis. I'm going to get diabetes. I'm going to get whatever, whatever it was. And, um, you know, um, I, want, I got in my car, and on my way home, I just started declaring I'm in a new bloodline. That, like, the spirit Come of on. sonship, the spirit of adoption is that mindset. I actually have a new bloodline, that my family bloodline is no longer mine, but my family bloodline is Jesus's. And guess whose blood speaks louder? Guess whose blood is more powerful? And so I just want to speak that over you guys. If you've had somebody speak to you about genetics or you're going to get something or you have something or something's going to get worse, 
I just want to, um, I want you guys to stand up right now. Yeah. If there's something in your family, something in your genetics, if there's something you have that hasn't gotten better, and, and you just haven't had any good news, I want to give you some good news today. That today you are now, well, you have been, in a new bloodline. And so I just want you to hold your hands out, and I just want you to receive just what Sean was talking about, just that spirit of sonship, that mindset, that you are no longer in that bloodline, that you are in a new bloodline, that that blood is more powerful than genetics, that blood is more powerful than what the doctors say, that that bloodline you are in has the authority to break off that sickness, that disease. Come on. That genetic disability, those comorbidities, those illnesses, that pain, that bloodline is more powerful than what your family has given you. That bloodline is more powerful than what the doctors have spoken over you. That that bloodline has the authority to release healing through your body. So I just speak, starting at the head, Holy Spirit, let your blood flow, Jesus, through their minds Right now, Jesus, rush through their minds, clear them right now. Down their necks, let that blood just flow down their necks. Let that healing blood go through their shoulders right now. Down their arms, into their hands right now. Some of you might be feeling heat in your hands. Jesus. Yeah, that blood is going down your neck into your heart. That blood is being pumped to every organ in your body right now through your heart. Thank you, Jesus. That blood is going down, down into your abdomen. It's just cleansing you right now. Every organ, every cell is being cleansed by Jesus' blood right now. And that's going down into your hips. I just see hips being regenerated. Wow. That blood is cleansing your hips right now, going down your legs right now. Down into your knees. Mm. Down into your knees, all cartilage is being reformed. Synovial fluid is being rebuilt. Thank you, Jesus. Down your legs, down into your feet. That blood is touching your feet right now. It is saturating your feet that where you walk, you leave a stain. Thank you, God. We just thank you for that cleansing blood, Jesus that your blood speaks louder than any doctor. I hear the Lord just releasing healing over fibromyalgia and cerebral palsy. Wow. We just thank you, Jesus. That he, he, he rewrites and rewrites and rewrites your genetic code that you've been grafted into his perfect DNA. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Well, thank you, Jesus, for that peace that joy, that healing. Jesus, we just bless them that when they lay hands on people, on. they will see them recover as well. We love you, Jesus, so we just seal this in your name. You know, just keep standing. All of you guys who are standing, stand back up for a second. What Rachel was saying there at the end, I was hearing earlier too, is that, that freely you receive and freely give. And we just release over you right now just that, that increased mantle of the healing power of the Holy Spirit on your life. There's an increased mantle of the, of the healing power of the Holy Spirit upon your life. That those who freely receive get to freely give. And I just saw over you how I, I actually saw some of you moving into a new place of seeing people healed. There's less effort involved. 
So Lord, I just thank you right now. I just thank you for that intimate awareness of your presence, that you're going to be healing people because you're best friends with Jesus. And, and I saw some of you speaking to situations that you didn't even know you were speaking to. And then others, I saw you walking into a room uh, and just your presence there with the Holy Spirit begins to break off mindsets. And some of you are going to see people manifest around you, just know because they're getting freedom because you're there with Jesus. So Lord, I just thank you right now for these freedom bringers, these freedom bearers, God. I thank you that who the Son sets free is indeed free. Lord, I thank you just for a new day, a new moment in your presence, and I thank you for that increase of the healing power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. Can we just worship him just for a moment? Just, just worship the Lord just right, right where you are for a moment. I just sense his presence here just so tangibly, so thick right now. Let's just enter in just to a moment right now, just that heart-to-heart -heart worship. Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy Spirit, we adore you. Just begin to let a little song come out of your heart right now. Just your thanks and praise. Just lean in for a moment. Just lean in for a moment. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. I hear the Lord breaking um, a scoffer mindset that you, you would once scoff at the church and kind of look and point and see what's not real, and he's going to arrest you in his love. And I just see this, 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 this you're going to be detained by God's presence. And he is going, you're going to come out with an apostolic mindset. So, Father, we just thank you right now for raising up, Lord, your movers and shakers. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you for anointing on your life, God. We thank you for anointing on your life, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for anointing on the lives of everyone in this room. The Bible says that you have received an anointing from the Holy One, and that anointing is real, that that anointing abides. Can we just worship the Lord for another moment? I promise we're not trying to draw something out. I just feel his presence. I, I sense him hovering over the room, just waiting to land further on some of us in the room. We worship you, Jesus. I actually saw a Deborah anointing falling on people in this room. And Deborah went out and led the Israelites into victory as a judge. And I saw that you are going to be leading people into their victories. And so I just speak that over you, that, that Deborah's spirit is going to fall on you. It's actually it's the Holy Spirit, but just the Deborah like anointing is going to fall on you, that you are going to help people into their victories, that you are going to lead people into their victories, that you are a leader. If the Spirit of God is on you, guess what? You are called to be a leader. Even if it's just one person, you are called to be a leader. And so I speak that over you, that you are going to lead people into victories, that you are going to speak truth over them. You are going to bring them into salvation. You are going to bring them into the power and the authority that was given to you. You're going to help them walk into that as well. So I just bless you. I speak that over you and say, rise up, Deborah's. Rise up, Lindsay's. Rise up, Megan's. Rise up, Jen's. Rise up, John's. Rise up, Pam's. Rise up, Doug's. You guys were called 
to be the, the spiritual authority in these regions. And so I just speak that over you right now. Yeah. Yeah, and we just, we just as a family of God right now come together and we just break off that orphan mindset. Yeah. We just break it off in the room right now where it's, where it's entered in, where it's lingered, where we were reading earlier and you identified with one of those places right now. Right now, just from your heart, let's just repent. God, we just repent of allowing our thoughts to be infused, Lord, with an orphan mindset. And I just thank you right now, Lord, for breaking off every place, Lord, of pollution, every place, Lord, of infection. We just thank you, Jesus, for sending your powerful cleansing blood over hearts and minds in the room. And the last thing I just want to go after for a moment is I, I, I've seen some of you, um, I see this prophetic gifting coming on some of you powerfully. I just see this prophetic thing just really entering into your life, and it's going to look like actually, call, like you're going to be like Paul. Where, or Saul, where he was among the prophets and became a prophet, there's going to be moments where the Holy Spirit is just going to be released upon you in such a way that I'm giving you permission right now to prophesy. I'm giving you permission. It's part of who you are that he, you've been crafted and hand-produced to speak God's heart into circumstances and situations, to speak God's heart into, into, into people. And I see some of you speaking into people's situations in that moment, and everything begins to break. I see you getting a word of knowledge, whoa. I see you getting a word of knowledge for people and situations that you were tentative, you, you didn't want to share in the past, and now there's a new freedom over your life to share those words with people because it's going to draw them into freedom because freely you've received and you are a freedom giver. You are a freedom bringer. So Lord, we just thank you right now, Holy Spirit. We thank you right now, Holy Spirit, for your gifts and promises. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that the increase of your government knows no end. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus.